Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So we're con- continuing our series in um, the Ten Commandments called Just Ten, following um, J. John's uh, series. So it's been quite an interesting um, time to just prepare. That's a uh, so some of these things are a bit tough to look at, and you think, oh, how am I going to do that? So I definitely need prayer. So Jeremy's right. I am going to pray again. Um, thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Open my ears to hear what you have to say. Um, and I pray I just get, lift my preparation up to you, and I pray if there's anything in there that you don't want me to say, Lord, that you tell me, um, and that anything that I haven't put in there that I do need to say today, Lord Jesus, that you drop into my mind. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd open our hearts so that we may hear you more clearly than anybody would hear me. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord God. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, um, this morning, we're talking about blasphemy. Um, now, now, Gary told me um, that I really needed to show that clip out of uh, um, Indiana Jones where his dad slaps him across the mouth, uh, face and say, that's blasphemy. But I thought, oh, no, that's, that's, that's not quite what I want to show in church, but now I've told you anyway, so oh well. Um, um, so the, the commandment itself, we'll read that first. Um, the subtitle is How to Take God Seriously. Now, sometimes you think, how, how do these things link together? But hopefully, um, we'll think about how to take God seriously after talking together. So, if you open your Bibles with me in Exodus 20. Now, I think this, this particular commandment is quite similar in its heart to the commandment just before it, which is about um, making idols. Um, but I think the whole idea is, how do we honor God? And the commandment itself, just a couple sentences, two in fact, um, from verse 7 says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So, while we break this down, the first thing that we probably should look at is what, is, what does it mean by his name? Now, I'm, I'm reasonable at names. I'm not good, but I'm reasonable. I used to be terrible. Um, and so when I became a church leader, I knew that I needed to make a plan because it's, it's not, um, not very, very helpful to be a church leader and not know anybody's names. And so I prayed. I said to God, help me to remember people's names. And remarkably, I got better at it. And so I know that the, the first thing to, that makes anybody feel like they've made a connection is when you know their name. And I'm not perfect at it, because I still forget people's names, and I still feel dead embarrassed when it's like the fifth or fourth time that I've seen somebody. I'm like, what is that person's name? And it's kind of, and I get home, and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. And I'm like, it's too late, too late. Oh, well, Lord, help me remember it next time. So John, my, my son, started in reception um, in September, and I knew that what was important for me was to start to build relationships with his teaching, t- teachers and his teaching assistants. Now, very helpfully, they'd sent out um, a pamphlet with the teachers' 
with a little picture and the name, and the picture and the name. The teaching assistants was a bit more of a conundrum because there were three pictures and three names written at the bottom, and I wasn't quite sure which name matched with which picture. So I go in the first day, and there's, there's a lady at the door, and I'm like, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm Helen, this is John, and who are you? And she says, I'm Mrs. Parr, and I'm like, Mrs. Parr, wonderful to see you. She seemed like a really lovely person, and I got this nice rapport going, we had a little chat, it was good. Um, I went in, settled John, the next day I come in, it's a new person at the door. I meet that person, I greet them, I get to know them, a little chat, I go in with John, and there's this lady, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I've, I've met you before. Um, I'm Helen, this is John, and she goes, I'm Mrs. Parr. I'm like, hi, Mrs. Parr, I met you yesterday, didn't I? <laughs> the third day I went in, I'm like, Mrs. Parr, Mrs. Parr, Mrs. Parr, I must remember who Mrs. Parr is. I go in, and exactly the same thing happened. I'm like, hi, I don't think I've met you yet. She's like, I'm Mrs. Parr. And I thought, oh, Mrs. Parr, I am so sorry. Now, I definitely know who Mrs. Parr is. <laughs> um, the thing is, God introduces himself. He has told us his name. Now, if you think about that, that is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Because he is transcendent. Above us, in every way, we have no way of connecting with him unless he first connects with us. The primary way God connects with us is through revelation. And he had this amazing revelation with Moses and the burning bush. So we're going to read that, that little um, uh, instance in the scriptures. So Exodus 3 from verse 14. And so Moses is in the wilderness, he's seen this bush and it's burning, and he starts to have a conversation. Um, and God talks to him through this bush, and then he says, but I'm going to go and tell the people what all the things that you've said I must say, but what if they say, who, who is this God? You know, Tell me your name. So from four, verse 14 he says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you will say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am who I am. Now, that's just the first step in the relationship. God has introduced himself. He's told you his name. Now, the name, the, the, the word itself that is used is, um, they're, not, they're not even sure how it's pronounced because the Israelites of the time, they were so wary of misusing God's name that they never said it. They only said, the Lord. When they wrote it down, before they started, they would wash, dress themselves in special clothes, get a brand new quill, write the name, and then throw the quill away. There was such a reverence, and it was so precious that God had given them this name that they, they didn't use it because they were so scared 
of what might happen if they, if they misused it. Now, I suppose if we're thinking about how do we use names, it's all about our relationship. So when we use a name of somebody we know, like for my husband, for instance, his name is Gary. Oh, I quite like Gary. But to be honest, I don't use it that much. Because in day-to-day, -day, I don't go, Gary, won't you take out the washing? Or, Gary, please make the bed. Or, you know, you don't do that. <laughs> you know? Or, Gary, how was your day? It becomes too formal. In, en in the end, you kind of use almost like a, a pet name. And, and maybe that's a little bit what, what, uh, what the Israelites were doing. They didn't use his formal name. But there's, there's something about Gary's name. That if I say Gary, he really does sit up and listen. <laughs> Maybe that's the same with children. Um, anyway, that's a side point. So, the interesting thing is that I am could be translated as I am the living one. I am the one who exists. I am the one who will be who I will be. And it's Again, this whole idea of God being so other than us, and yet he is the living one. He exists. He is who he is. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful. He is living, which means death is not part of him. His name inspires worship. His name inspires awe. And so we've been given this wonderful, wonderful privilege of knowing his name. So when we think about what we, how do we misuse a name, maybe we think about how we use a name. So as I was saying, for Gary, I use it to address him occasionally. I use it to draw his attention. If I said, my love, my love, Gary! <laughs> yes? <laughs> To refer to someone. Now, I wouldn't say to, to, to Christine, you know, um, my husband, the tall, dark one with the beard. It would be much easier. Christine, you know how Gary says this and this and this. You use it to refer to him. So when we talk about God, we, we have his name. Sometimes we use it when we make a vow. I promise by my word of honor on my name. That's a bit old-fashioned these days, but the idea is there still, that your name holds something of your reputation, holds something of your character. And I think, in some sense, um, some commentators talked about this particular commandment about how it refers to vows. And if, you, if you're making a vow, you must be really careful when you're using the Lord's name. It also talks about invoking power or authority. Now, um, I spoke a few weeks ago about um, uh, uh, praying in the name of Jesus. And so there's power and authority behind that. And so there's, there's an idea that we have another realm that we live in that sometimes we're not always aware of. It's the invisible spiritual realm. Doesn't mean it's any less real, than this physical floor I'm standing on. But in that space, 
the name of Jesus, in the name of God, has incredible influence and power. And the ancients understood some of that. And so they would call on the powers within the spiritual to affect the material. And that was hexing or cursing. And that, that still goes on today. Maybe, maybe we don't think about it. Maybe it's not very cool to think about it. We kind of push everything aside and explain it by science. But don't be fooled. There is power in the words we say. And I'll talk about that a bit more later. So, let's see um, if, if you use any of those things in the wrong way, that's obviously misusing his name. I mean, there's a very interesting instance, a bit heavy, I'm afraid, um, but it's in Leviticus 24. Um, so, if you turn there with me, and we'll read from verse 10. Leviticus 24, verse 10. Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites, and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse, so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shimelith, and the daughter of Dibri, the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, Anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native-born, when they blaspheme the name, they are to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of a human a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone, someone's animal must make restitution for life for life. Anyone who injures the na their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution but whoever kills a human being is to be put to death. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native-born. I am the Lord your God. Then Moses said to the Israelites, spoke to the Israelites, and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him. The Israelites did as the Lord commanded Moses. You think, wow. Death for a swear word? Probably a little bit more than a swear word, but wow. And you know what that reminded me of straight away? The wages of sin is death. But we have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because there was somebody else who was accused of blasphemy. Shall we read that one? That one is Matthew 26. Matthew 26 from verse 62. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. 
the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. And they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you. So you have two Ben. One who cursed the living God. And one who honored him. Jesus never spoke against the Lord. He never even sinned. Not one of the commandments we will speak about in the next few weeks. Jesus didn't do any of those. And if the high priest had taken the time to consult the Lord, like Moses had done, but he didn't. They condemned an innocent man to die on the charge of misusing the Lord's name, unaware that this man was the Lord and that God would raise him and elevate his name to be above all names. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died for us. And it was on this commandment that he was charged and convicted. It was turned into treason so that the Romans would kill him. But the Sanhedrin convicted him for blasphemy. Now we're all guilty. I know I have misused the Lord's name. I have dishonored him by what I've said. But by the grace of God, we have forgiveness in his name. Isn't that remarkable? Because Deva, Jesus never misused God's name, never dishonored him. He was the spotless lamb who took all sin of the world. We have been saved from the death we deserve and redeemed to the life with him forever. Praise him for this remarkable gift. But what did Jesus say about blasphemy? There's an interesting passage um, in Matthew 12. We'll look at that. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, um, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. <coughs> Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, 
Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every, every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How, how then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if this is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks the word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But if anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings up the good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Lord, help us. Because, boy, do I say loads of empty words. James talks about controlling the tongue. What a restless evil it is. So grateful for the Holy Spirit in me that is changing me, putting the good things in my heart. Because out of the heart, the word mouth speaks. So what is, what, is, what is the root of misusing his name? It's a heart. It's a heart that doesn't love him. And my prayer for all of you is that your hearts would be filled to overflowing with his love, his word, and his Holy Spirit. Because then, then, oh, my goodness gracious, the words that you speak, oh, they ripple through the supernatural. They bring life. Look what it says. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. May you bring good things stored up in you. Proverbs says that, um, I've got it written down here somewhere. <laughs> um, there is power of life and death in the tongue. You have power in the words that you say to bring life. So use your words wisely. Now Jesus, he honored the name of the Lord, that holy name, the name that the Israelites didn't speak and didn't write. He honored it. And yet he gave us an even better way of addressing God. Just like I call Gary my love, 
Jesus called God Abba Father. He has torn that veil away. We are reconciled to him. We can come to God the Father as children, knowing that he loves us. And if we ask anything in his name, in Jesus' name, he will do it. I hope that makes you a little bit excited. Just a little bit. So it's funny, isn't it? We don't go around and kick our toe and go, oh, Nick McDavid. It's weird. Don't you think that's weird? And, you know, when we see something scandalous, oh, Mary Burke, did you see that? We don't do it. But why? Why on earth? Why on earth? Jesus' name is precious. It's so precious. And if we love him, if we hear people using it like, like that, don't you just be kind, be gentle, but say, hey, don't do that. I love him. And it's everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, trying to find a nice clean film for my kids to watch. Oh, hard, hard work. But it's more to just using a name as an expletive. It's about using his name to honor him. Now, J. John has four things that he suggests we do so that we don't misuse his name. One of them is very simple. Don't swear. Ask the Lord for that self-discipline, that self-control to control your tongue. Fill your hearts with the good things so good things come out. Don't swear. And say to people who do, Oi, I don't like that. Don't be judgmental, but let them know. Don't name drop with God. This is number two. There are many things that have been done in God's name that God didn't sanction. And oh boy, do we now as Christians have to deal with some of these. What about the Crusades? What about, don't, don't, do you think God wanted them to? No, I didn't. People were being political beings and making nonsense. The Nazis, they used the Bible. Apartheid South Africa, they used the Bible too. They did it in God's name. Were those good things? No, of course not. But it's even, even more, you don't, those are big things, but it's even more subtle than that. Sometimes you'll see somebody who has a problem and you think, oh, which scripture should I send them? Hmm, yes, this, this one, this one, hmm, I know. God has said that you should read this. Don't manipulate God. Come on, guys, really. So that was number two. Number three is don't cheat God of his honor. Proverbs uh, 3 verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If he's done something good for you, <coughs> praise him for it. Acknowledge him. If you tell somebody about it, tell them that the Lord was in it. 
I know sometimes that's a bit like, mm -mm, but actually, don't not say it because you're robbing him of his honor. He's done something. Give him the glory. Give him the credit. And then finally, number four, don't live an inconsistent life. You know, the Pharisees, they said a lot of the right things. But their hearts, mm, not so good. Nobody likes a hypocrite. I know I don't like them. And yet sometimes I find myself being one. And that's even worse. Help us, Lord, to be people who do what we say. And people who live by what we believe. God has made us his image bearers. There's something really amazing about how we speak. I'm just going to refer to James really quickly before I close off. James 3, 9 to 12 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can fig trees bear olives? Or grapevines bear figs? Can, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We bear the image of God. He made us in his likeness. And do you know what God did with words? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and things came into being. His very words were, were creative. And he's given us that same gift. We can create things with our words. So use them carefully. And when we use them in his name, use them extravagantly to show how much he loves us and everybody else. Because there's power of life and death in your tongue. And may your tongue, the best thing to use your tongue for, is prayer, to talk to the loving Father, and praise, to honor his name. So Lord God, help us. Help us to speak life. Help us to honor your name. Help us to fill our hearts with the good things, your word, your spirit, your love. Help us to bring forth those good things that you've planted in us to encourage others and to share your love and hope with the rest of the world. May we be life breathers, creators of your wonderful gifts. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.